This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. Today, I am joined by Georgina Nelson. Georgina is the CEO and founder of True Rating. I'm excited for her to be here today. Welcome to the show, Georgina. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. Georgina, why don't you tell us a little bit about you, who you are, and what True Rating is? Yeah, I'm a Brit living and loving living in the US of A in Atlanta. I came here when we opened our US office and yeah, on a mission to provide the retail world with better customer data and insights. I I love that. You say (laughs) to open an office in Atlanta, does that mean you had an office in London? Yeah, Yeah, we've got offices in London and Sydney. And Sydney. Wow. So tell us a little bit more about on a high level, what does true rating do? If you were to give us your one sentence, what does true rating do? It gives representative and real-time customer data to those in retail. Excellent. And it sounds incredibly simple, but it really is game-changing because at the moment, and I'm sure you will have experienced this yourself, you get given a little receipt when you shop somewhere and they'll say, hey, would you mind filling in this little survey on our receipt? And you could like get into a prize draw for $100. And have you ever filled one in? I have. The one at Home Depot, I fill out all the time. I'm, I, I, I'm one day, <laughs> who wins? I've never met anyone who won these things. Like the $5,000 that they offer you. <laughs> I want to just meet someone who's won the thing. Who's won it? I, I don't know. You know anybody who's won? For any of these, I want to know who's there, won. Let's see if any of your listeners can uh, can volunteer it. Yes, if Do you're you, listening uh... to this and you <laughs> won one of the survey, you know, you filled out a survey and you won the prize for filling out the survey for any retailer or even e-tailer, anything online, anything in a store, please reach out to Retail Retold. We want to hear from you. Do you know anybody who's won? I'm serious, Georgina. Do you know anyone who's actually won? Like, to be honest, Chris, you're the first person I've met who's actually filled one in. Who doesn't work for who doesn't work for a CX company and isn't doing research. I was gonna like basically say that like demographic data tells us they're all like women who are retired with too much time on your hand on their hands, but you've just totally blown it. You're uh... sorry. Well, if that's the case, why haven't I won? I want to win. So when you fill it in, do you just tick any box to get to finish it as soon as possible? Or do you take some time? Uh, now I'm being interviewed. Uh, so <laughs> I'll be honest. This is not a regular thing, right? When the, I, I don't love filling out surveys. Your, your, Friday, really. your Friday night treat. Yeah, I don't love filling out surveys. But if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it right. Mm-hmm. Well, you are a beacon of hope for the CX <laughs> industry. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I, I, I'm really, I'm really focused on this Home Depot survey. That's the one that I've, I've filled out. So the majority of people, you know, like 
generally one of our merchants, yeah, they get 0.6% response rate from those receipts. It's usually a tiny percent of customers. If most people want to fill in the price draw, they just tick straight line, speed line, whatever they, they can quickest to get to the end of the questionnaire. And as I said, it tends to be a certain type of demographic socioeconomic status, et cetera. So like the fact is, is all these retailers are playing millions and millions and the whole industry is worth billions to try and get customer data on which to base decisions, but the data, the data is rubbish. And, you know, rubbish in makes rubbish, means rubbish decisions. And it's, yeah, I come from a background, I did my first degree in psychology and then I went into law. But, you know, I knew how important it was to get consumer data which you can trust which is representative which is statistically significant and only then can you begin to predict future behavior and then after my trip into law I basically worked for the equivalent of consumer reports which you guys have over here so I was championing consumer rights basically for big data and tech working opposite the likes of Google and Facebook when a lot of these privacy and tech laws were coming out And it just really became apparent to me, like what a huge advantage the online tech giants had from such a wealth of consumer data. And uh, and my dad was 30 years in retail. So uh, he basically ran their booksellers association. So all these independent bookshops in the UK. And uh, and at the time, while I was working through all these data laws, dad was just coming home like so weary and depressed from work because Amazon had just come on the scene in the UK and was just smashing up all the book trade and loads of his members went out of business and so he was like we've got to fight back with service we can win on building an emotional connection in store with the customer but then he's like we don't have any data and that was the really big discrepancy for me that all these online giants like Amazon etc they knew so much about what made that customer convert their basket, what journey would make them spend the most money. And yet in on bricks and mortar retail, they just simply had the sales data. So basically, I thought, if you can make feeding back super simple and super quick, wouldn't, you know, everyone would do it. And if you could make it in the moment of truth, which is supposed to be 40% more accurate if you ask someone when they're immediately feeling something than if you ask them after the event. And so I, I thought of that retail environment and everybody looks at that payment terminal when they pay. They're like standing there awkwardly as their goods have been scanned and they look down to see how much they're going to be charged. And I thought, why don't you leverage that? And on that, okay. on that note, let's hold it right there. We're going to finish that at the end. I like that thought right there. <laughs> Let's hold that thought right there. I will say this. I'm going to leave you with this. I have filled out a survey on the payment terminal and the cashier is asking me, right? Do you want to fill out a survey on how my service has been to you? So she's watching me as I'm filling this out. And I like, who wants to say, oh yeah, you were terrible and hit the terrible button right there. Who wants to do that in front of the guest? Anyway. We will All right. quickly addressing that on with ours, the questions rotate all the time. And so it's always different questions. So like, yeah, it might not be something about the service, but also just using the keypad is like where you'd enter your pin. And so the cashier can never see that. So it's all about, about it being totally confidential. Right. Okay. With that, let's get to know Georgina a little bit better. 
Okay. I have three questions for you. Are you ready, Georgina? Hit me. Okay. We call this section clear the air. All right. Question one. What is one skill you don't possess but wish you did? I'm going to like choose three skills all under the same umbrella, which I think have the same etiology. So basically, I can't sing. I can't speak foreign languages particularly well. And I'm really bad at doing accent imitations. And I think it's all related to the size of my ears. So I've noticed that I have very small ears. (laughs) And so (laughs) I basically, yeah, yeah. I should have done it as my uh, psychology thesis to see if there was any correlation. But so that, you, uh, you, yeah, maybe after true rating, I'll uh, I'll investigate it. But yeah, yeah. I. Uh, okay, so you wish I'm you had bigger poor. ears. Yeah, and then that would solve <laughs> all my linguistical issues. That's the best answer I've ever heard on this show. So thank you for sharing that. <laughs> Question two: What is one thing most people agree with, but you do not? The time it takes to get places. You think it takes longer or slower, shorter? I like. I always think it will take take the quickest time possible. And uh, I say, yeah, I'm one of those people who'll be like, it's five minutes away, <laughs> and everyone else is like, are you joking? Do you know Atlanta traffic? It's thirty minutes, and I'll be like, it's five. We're fine. And so, um, yeah. So I'm generally late for everything. But I actually read an interesting article that most entrepreneurs are delusionally optimistic. And so I draw the line and I'm just optimistic about how long it takes me to get places why I'm always late. Yes. I, I, I love that. Delusionally optimistic. That's a great little phrase there. So <laughs> thank you for sharing. Yeah. That's a good one. Last one. When is the last time you did something for the first time? I played softball yesterday. It was your first time playing softball? Yeah. Like, I feel it's like a an Americana badge. We don't have it in England. So uh yeah, my daughter's just bought uh just joined a softball team. So uh yeah, I uh, haven't managed to hit the ball yet, but taking it up with earnest. <laughs> and what, what grade are your daughter's in? She's in third. She's in softball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was just playing with her. Does um, she like it? Yeah, she loves it. Yeah, we're we're all in. <laughs> uh, she's made me pinky promise that my dad always just said to my brothers growing up who were always in sport, he'd just stand on the sideline and the whole time he'd be like, watch the bloody ball, watch <laughs> the ball, watch the ball. So I've had to pinky promise that I'm not going to be one of those, uh, those mums at the side. Oh, that was, uh, my, my, my father was one of those parents. So I know that parent really. Well. My, <laughs> my father was the parent that everybody in the stand sat away from because <laughs> I know, I know that world all too well. There's not a referee on the planet that that liked when my father showed up to a game. So, uh, <laughs> okay. Well, softball. What do you think of softball? Should should England start to adopt softball and get this in high schools and youth programs across the country? Yeah. One thing I'm not sure about is the time it takes for a game. I'm like I'm a bit on the fence there. Having gone to watch a baseball, is, is softball quicker than baseball? Because I went to watch a baseball game and. Uh, yeah, I found did you it watch the Braves? Fun. Yeah, I did. Okay, so yes, youth sports, they shorten up. So in baseball, it's nine innings. Typically, I don't know about softball in Atlanta, but typically youth sports, they're going to make it shorter innings so that the game speeds up. 
Yeah. I, mag- I imagine you're looking a softball game. I imagine it's a two-hour game. Mm. Yeah, football is uh, soccer, as you call it over here, is 90 minutes. And so I think that's uh, that's definitely uh, gone favor with a lot of uh, a lot of parents. Yeah, but, but, but what I would say, it's not 90 minutes because there's like a halftime and there's and there and that and in soft it, the, the whole time right i'm talking about the two hour softball event being from like start to total time okay like you show up at eight you leave at 10 yeah all right that's um, what i think yeah. and, and it could be quicker it could be quicker from region to region depending on how they want to adopt what style they want to adopt the game so that's cool. my take. i'm up for it there you go did you throw the ball were you pitching to your daughter she hitting well? Yeah. All right. Yeah, we're rolling. All right. That's <laughs> okay. I want to move to talk about true rating and talk about the business today. What, what are you all up to? Talk about specifically, you left us on a cliffhanger with uh, the Question. POS system. And I guess let's start there. What does true rating do? More specifically than it helps get real customer data. So by leveraging that moment when you pay, whether you're like online, in-store, we just ask one simple question, but the questions rotate. So if you think about like a really long survey, which you might get at Home Depot, and they get a tiny percent of customers feeding back, we ask all those questions, but in rotation. So doing the math, you get really quick, statistically significant data because like 80% of customers feedback in-store. And with each rating, it's like, because we integrate with payment, we pair with how much people spent, what's in the basket, all anonymous aggregated data trends, which we provide back to the retailer. So they can begin to see down at a store level, what's going on, is the store tidy? Uh, Are people being greeted as they come in? Is a new store layout going down well? Is it, are they making that ROI back? So that's that, yeah, the kind of stuff which we do. And then also online as well, we get like 50% of people feeding back online and, uh, and yeah, writing qualitative comments, et cetera. Okay. Let's dig into this. I find the concept of ratings and reviews just fascinating. Let's go. I have a buddy that I would have never expected that has been reviewing on Yelp for Decades. Really? I had no idea. So ever since Yelp, I had no idea he did this. But anyway, so I'm fascinated by ratings and reviews. <laughs> Let's go back to your product and service at True Rating. Mm-hmm. You keep using this one question. So I go up to the POS. I get there. I pay by whatever method I'm paying, Apple Pay, this, that, the other thing. How your survey is like, doesn't just pop up at like it's like part of the transaction. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. It comes like on, on a rainbow, like led by a unicorn, it jumps over the terminal. And uh-huh. uh, yeah, it's just, it's not the way you literally, just before you pay, it will be on that terminal. So we integrate with all the likes of Verifone, Ingenico, FIS, all those big payments companies here in Atlanta along one really boring road. That's why we're here because we work with all of them. And then they basically build the ability to ask a question on the, on the payment terminal. And so with each rating, 
you rate, we donate to children's charities. So we're working with Families First here in Atlanta. But that, yeah, that also brings that engagement. And each rating also feeds that retailer's SEO Google profile. So if you think about, you know, star ratings in Google, when you search for a store, we stream all our online and in-store ratings. So your mate who feeds back on Yelp, on average, a store on Yelp like might have like eight reviews, like over five years. So one will be from your mate. And then like two are from Kevin's mum, who really wants Kevin to get a promotion. And she's like, Kevin's such a sweetheart. <laughs> and then like, and then you'll have like one from someone wanting a free voucher and another one from like someone who slipped on some bleach and is like absolutely slating it. And you go on as a consumer and you're like, what am I supposed to do with these reviews? I've no idea whether to go to this venue or not. I don't know whether to trust it. It's over five years. Whereas with us, because 80% of customers are feeding back on those key questions, which are really important to you, you can actually see, wow, like in the last two weeks, 100,000 people have said this place is phenomenal for service or product range or whatever. And you can then make your decision with confidence. So it's like that two, that two-pronged approach with the ratings. The first is the retail analytics for the retailer. And then the second is also publishing it so consumers can benefit and building a trustier platform to the likes of Yelp. I think I get that part of it now. The next piece, I go up to the POS, I'm about to buy my product. Are you asking me one question or a series of questions throughout the transaction? Only ever one. It's the power of one. Do you know about the power of crowds? Sure. If you ask enough people, <laughs> that's it. But so, yeah, go ahead. But only... Explain it to the audience. Explain it to the audience. So I think it's helpful. So the power of crowds is like a philosophy. I think they used to, um, I think it like grew from medieval times, didn't it? When they were like trying to guess the weight of a bull or something. And they actually found that the best way would to, was to ask everyone in the village and then simply do a average calculation and subtract by those who had voted and you'd get you'd get bang on to the weight of the bull versus and so it's all about the wider you can make that sample the closer you get to the actual source of the source of truth so it's the the power of crowds really plays into the representation element rather than you ask just a few people which is what today's cx surveys do you don't get close to that essence of truth so we, we're really leveraging the power of clouds with just one question, but it's different request questions. So the person behind you could get, do you like the music in here? The next person could get, did you find what you were looking for? You know, which is all like really, really key data which retailers need in terms of all these challenges which are hitting them at the moment as we come out of COVID, how consumers are evolving, how are people changing? Um, and they can ask that, you know, put in any question they want immediately and pull the vast majority of their customer base. And you stream that data to the Google reviews? Yeah, to Google. So Google search. So yeah, it will be picked up on the knowledge graph. WLS Lighting Systems is a full-service commercial lighting company focused on energy-efficient lighting solutions for all types of exteriors, interior, and specialty lighting projects. WLS works with you from design and site audits through post-installation on everything from LED upgrades for existing properties to new construction projects. 
Their goal is to provide you with the finest controls and lighting solutions to meet your design and budgetary needs. In 2010, WLS developed Netlink Controls, the first site lighting wireless control system for the shopping center industry. With over 100 manufacturing partners and thousands of completed projects across the country, WLS knows the importance of staying on budget, which meets or exceeds expectations. WLS Lighting Systems provides the utmost value in design and product choices that are sustainable, aesthetically pleasing, and enhances value in your property. Learn more at WLSLighting.com. Okay, I think I get it now. If I'm a consumer and I want to, I wanted to see this. Are you are you selling your product to the retailers? Is that who your customer is, or is yeah. it the, the payment services? No, the payments companies. We just do a revenue share with what the merchant pays us. So everybody's a winner. So the the retailers. The retailers. Yeah. So what stores can I go in and find True Rating? We've got amazing customers like JD, Finish Line, Bells, Canada Post, Longos, which is part of like Sobe's Empire brand. Uh, and then like another, and then uh, I can't really say others which uh, have signed with us, but I haven't gone live yet. But, uh, and then like we're live with brands like Nike, uh, their major franchisee, Champion, okay. Tom's, uh, New Balance. Uh, lot, Yeah. Calvin Klein, Tommy Hilfiger. Yeah. Excellent. So I go in these stores when I go to the POS, I'm, I'm, Georgina is going to pop up and ask me a question on, on the POS system. Mm-hmm. On the payment terminal. Yep. Okay. And you, you, you don't have to answer. You can ignore, but think of that children's charity and the fact that you could go on to, uh, you could go on and find trusted ratings from others and on the website. So it's really building that community that, you know, how can we all work together to get far better trusted data out there to guide our choices? So, yeah, as I said, 80% feedback. How many people have to answer a question for it to be trusted feedback? So it depends. I, well, obviously, everyone's opinion is valid, but it depends on how quickly you want the insight. So, like, you could, yeah. We generally, it depends whether it's, you know, you want to ask it over the course of a week or two weeks and, or if you want to get really quick representative data within just a short amount of time. And then we can just make sure that question appears much more frequently. So I'd say like, yeah, and whether you're wanting to see a certain time window. So we've got a whole data science team who basically work through how many transactions you have, what are the goals, what kind of questions do you want to understand, and then how quickly you can get that speed to insight. Okay. That's helpful. But is there like a range where you say, and and this is my lack of understanding of statistics, but is there a range that says, oh, I don't know, we need 80% of the people to respond to this to actually have trusted data? Is there some benchmarks? Yeah, we have like a formula where like you can look at a heat map where you can see like literally hour by hour like how you're doing it so you can say like okay we know all right the the one which we did with nike for example was nike's major franchisee was they found out that if you ask someone their name as they're buying a pair of trainers 
they spend 30% more. And so working with us, they basically said, okay, every single store has to have 66% of customers answering yes to that question for that store to get their bonus. And once they implemented that, they immediately saw a rise in revenue by over 5%. And so they're able to really quickly see, all right, we can see those stores aren't asking people their name. We need to get service strategy training, et cetera, on there. And, uh, and so we'll basically, they'll be able to see the heat map uh, across the hours of the day and know which shift times and who's working on the shifts where they need further training. And so we have an algorithm to ensure that there are a certain amount of people that's a terrific example, Georgina. I want to unpack that example a little bit. Let's go. What was the question exactly that asked on the payment terminal that actually led to that insight? Because if you well, asked me if the question was, and I know this wasn't the question, but if the question was, Chris, if the cashier in front of you asked, greeted you with your name, would you buy more? I would write no. So what was the question that actually led to that insight? Where were you asked your name today? Yes ah. or no? And so at? then, as I said, so then really quickly, we can see everyone who's saying yes, on average, spends this much. Everyone who says no, spends this much. And so we can see that the ROI of that service strategy is 30% more. People spend 30% more when they're asked their name. And so then you can simply say, right, we want that question in rotation all the time because it's going to become a key KPI in our in-store service standards. What a great stat. Do you think that is something you can apply to most retailers? I'm sure directionally you can. Maybe it's not 30% at all retailers, but I bet directionally yeah, I think people like, will I think- spend more if you ask their name. I think it's a, you know, it's a proxy to the consultative sale, which is really important in that high-end apparel environment. Um, when people, you know, you, they want to build that emotional connection with someone, and especially Nike, who isn't going to win on price, for example, in their stores, because they can always be discounted by their resellers down the, you know, down the mall. And so it's really key for them to have that upper hand in that emotional selling. But for example, in a in a big discount shop, so Five Below, I didn't mention Five Below, one of our customers. So we did, and it's on their website, they were looking at, as you might know, they've widened their range to include technical products, which are often above the $5 mark. And they're wanting to sample that out. And we could see when people had these items in their basket, like tech items, that actually service levels went down. And that's because they'd extended out their product range, but they hadn't invested in having people who were actually permanently or around that area in the store because people have higher expectations. They have more questions. They want to ask more about the product range when they buy tech versus when they might just be picking up some sweets or a Coke or whatever. And so we were able to really quickly see, actually, we can see across all your customers, the people who are buying these products we need to invest more in staff at that particular point. So for, for each retailer, they're going to need different service strategies. They're going to lead to higher ATVs and higher repeat visits. And it's just us working out with the retailers what that might be for them. Excellent. I love this. This is really interesting. Can you give us one more interesting insight that you've learned about retail from putting on these surveys at the payment terminal? Something yeah. like the one you just said, which was people spend more if you ask their name. 
I'll, I'll call it that. But any, what else have you learned? I think what's been really interesting is the work which we've done during COVID and coming out of COVID, where we have the right to waiting to ask everyone in a hundred questions. And so it doesn't have to be related to that particular retailer, but we thought about retail trends, which are really impacting the whole of retail across our markets and what are retailers really desperate to understand. And so we've been, if you follow me or True Rating on LinkedIn, you'll be able to see that we're releasing these studies where within just a few weeks, we can poll you know, 200,000 US consumers on whether they're going to be using Vopis in the future. Will they continue to do their grocery shopping online coming out of COVID? Do they still have safety concerns? How has their loyalty changed in relation to the brands they're buying from since COVID? We're just actually launching this emotional loyalty report where it's really interesting to see how loyalty is becoming very much, and especially with COVID, really closely tied to affiliation with the brand values of the retailer. And then on the flip side, there's obviously the big convenience play with online. I'm finding it really interesting to understand that we've seen a lot of consumers are flirting with a whole more raft of brands. Maybe that's due to like product choice, et cetera, being stunted during COVID or set their usual retailers didn't offer the types of delivery which they needed. And so they they flirted elsewhere. And so the sampling has got wider, but you can really see that actually that they the the drive and emotional drive to loyalty for a few key brands is really, really strong. And so that kind of insight is we're seeing the changing consumer landscape and how it's impacting retail. And I also think, I think it's just interesting that we, you know, during COVID, there was all this, you know, all these headlines saying, you know, stores are dead. Everything's going online. It's the, it's the retail apocalypse. It's the death of, death of stores as we know it. And we were asking all these consumers and we're like, this isn't the data, and data we're seeing, right? Hundreds of thousands of consumers are telling us they can't wait to get back into stores. They don't plan, you know, only a small percentage actually was saying that their, their online behavior would be permanent. And, and so, and then you look at the samples from these other journalists and it was like, there was something like 200 people. And so I think, I think that's, yeah, I think that's been really interesting. And, uh, and I'm, we're always open to Chris, if you were, uh, you lay awake at night and have any questions which you were desperate for us to put through our panel polling let me know oh i've got uh, it i got some questions that i would love for you to ask yeah yeah bring it on yeah each week we uh yeah we're putting more more in the mix so uh maybe we can do a sequel and uh and i can i can come with our data guys and they can paint the picture of what they're seeing and we can get your questions in excellent what did the verdict end up on bopus Bopus a win? Uh, only 5% said that they would continue with it. Only 5% out of how many? Uh, well, that was uh, 200,000 people took part in that survey. Interesting. But whether that, you know, I think that's a, that's still an arguable business case. 5% of people still, you know, looking to use it is an argument to keep it going. But I don't think the swing was nearly as big. Um, as some of the attention-grabbing headlines were saying it was going to be during COVID. I think that consumers may not control the outcome on that one. Mm. I think retailers are going to be forced to 
encourage consumers to do BOPIS because it's a lot more profitable than shipping it to your home. So yeah. with that, I want to bring us to the last part of the show, which is retail wisdom. Mm. I've got three questions for you. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. What extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead? Do you know what a green gracer is? A green gracer? No. Green grocer. A green grocer. grocer. Oh, grocer, like a grocery green store. Grocer. Yeah. So it's like, so yeah, what we had, sure. it's what we had growing up. We had green grocers, like, and it was like the sort of the flag of the UK high street, whereby, you know, little, it's a bit like the sort of the farmer's market, which you sure. get in the US, but only on certain weekends and in a car park somewhere. I miss, and as a yeah, a vegetarian, only in the last couple of years, I uh, I really miss that ability to just walk to a fresh fruit and veg store, and I'd I'd really like that. Okay, <laughs> I, I'm sure you can find some stuff in Atlanta. There's farmers yeah. markets and, and stuff. And the thing is, I just go into Target, and all I right. want to buy is like a, a bag yeah. of apples, and I come out having spanked three hundred dollars on a load of uh, load of other stuff I don't need. So uh... <laughs> I'm with you there. Okay, question two: mm-hmm. What is the last item over twenty dollars you purchased in a store? I've just bought a Chinese money plant. Interesting. Um. Uh, yeah, I'm reading the book. This book around Norwegian forest philosophy and how having houseplants basically is the cure for all ailments stress immune <laughs> fatigue oh yeah. man this this is a world i am i know no, i know absolutely nothing about so <laughs> so 20 dollars invest in a chinese money plant and apparently if you stick a uh, stick a dime in it it will bring you a uh, Bring you fortune as well. I haven't actually done that. I probably should. Where do you, but, where, uh, do you where do you get this plant? Where does it? Where, where do you buy it? I was just having an ice cream at Ben and Jerry's, and it was next. It was a <laughs> it was in the shop next door. <laughs> Got it. But uh, yeah, like I've also like yeah, my my flats. I'm gonna get thirty price. of them for my desk. So dime <laughs> in each one. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Let me know how it goes. Okay. All right. I'll take a cut. <laughs> Speaking of Target. Last question. Georgina, if you and I were shopping at Target and I lost you, what aisle would I find you in? I asked my daughter this because I thought I'd be in like the interior design bit, but I was told like I'd be in the sort of vitamin and supplements where I just spend ages reading <laughs> reading the facts and uh, okay. finding out what the latest uh, latest mushroom mix or yeah. cognitive gummies are going to be, which are going to mean that I can survive on like six hours sleep for how many days in a row and still be on top of my game, which I'm sure is a, <laughs> a thing which uh, many entrepreneurs are, uh, are on the same quest to find. Uh, so vitamin uh, supplements. I love it. Okay. Yeah. Georgina, this was great. Thank you so Thank much you. for joining me. Thank you so much for the rescheduling. I really appreciate it. You've been a trooper look forward to connecting with you more. And I am going to send you some questions for uh, yeah. your, your polling. And so I where can that. people find you? Uh, yeah. LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Georgina yeah. Nelson. There. Okay. Georgina. Thank Thanks you so much. much. Cheers, Chris. Cheers. Take care. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.